Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. I just posted a video on YouTube, and I want to tell you about it. This is the month of November, and historically it is a very good time to go looking for the Brown Mountain Lights. And the video that I posted includes some of my thoughts on what might be the power supply for the Brown Mountain Lights, and Brown Mountain might just be an extreme example of other paranormal hotspots, and so it could be that this form of power supply could be uh, applied to paranormal hotspots to some extent around the world. So I think you'll find this interesting. Uh, First off, I'm assuming most of you know what the Brown Mountain Lights are, but uh, in case you're a new listener and you've never heard of them, I'll just tell you briefly. Of course, I am from Western North Carolina, and in Western North Carolina, in the Pisgah National Forest, there is one particular ridge called Brown Mountain, and for well over 100 years, according to journalistic accounts, and perhaps for hundreds of years, according to Native American lore, pioneer stories, etc., people have seen these multicolored balls of light floating on and around Brown Mountain at night. And uh, they have been investigated by every type of scientist you can imagine for many, many decades, and, and no one has ever come up with a good explanation for what they what they are. Um, and what I find even more intriguing is that, uh, yes, you know, you can interpret the, them as being ghosts, some kind of a spiritual energy, or a lot of people have connected them with UFOs, but... Uh, Really, Brown Mountain is 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 what I call a phantasmagoria of strange phenomena in general. I mean, people go up there, they see cryptids, they experience time warps, um, interdimensional stuff. Uh, I mean, like it, it, it's almost like a miniature Bermuda Triangle, but. The whole thing is based around this ridge, which, you know, during the daytime, you'd drive right by it and you wouldn't even notice it if you didn't know anything you know, anything special about its history. But then at night, you know, you have these lights. And actually, if you want to be um, more accurate, you really could think of that whole area as being a power supply because the lights are actually seen around that whole uh, little region there called the Linville region around the Linville Gorge and, uh, and, and and you know you can go into all kinds of detail about what may be happening and, and what makes the area special geologically speaking and if you're interested in, in that stuff I wrote a, um, a booklet about it which is uh, I think the most comprehensive resource out there Heck, my team and I spent over 15 years getting permits and camping out there under very rough conditions. Um, If you go to brownmountainlights.com, that's all spelled out. Nothing is abbreviated. Brownmountainlights.com. Then um, you'll be able to download a PDF that will give you uh, that uh, background, you know, that story, that resource that I 
produced. And in fact, I did that because I was hired to do it by the um, Burke County Tourism Authority. I'd been meaning to write a book about Brown Mountain for years, but I probably never would have done it because I I never felt that the story was finished. You know, it's still such an open-ended mystery. I just didn't feel that it was worth... uh, investing that much time and effort in, you know and in, in, until I had some better answers but you know we're getting closer I guess but it, I don't know it's still a it's still a great mystery so anyway in this video I posted which again is on YouTube you can watch it for free I'm going to tell you in a minute how to watch it I think it's only about seven or eight minutes long I uh, I actually started out with a, a sort of an unexpected stimulus i was at a uh, a hobby store i think it might have been it was either michaels or ac more like you know one of those kinds of places a craft type store uh, and i f- frequently find myself in those types of establishments when you know, i'm working on these weird experiments and anyhow they had this kit there for what was called the uh, ultra capacitor car and immediately it got my attention because it had the word capacitor in there and uh i i am uh really really intrigued with the idea of capacitors and how that they might sort of naturally occur within the layout of mother nature so let me tell you what i mean by a capacitor and and this is so important to me that you know, I have students uh, who have graduated from my paranormal investigation course all over the world because you can take it, you can take my course online uh, if you just go to warreninstitute.com. There's also, I, I believe, a link at my curiosity shop there at joshuapwarren.com. But people, they take my course all over the world, and one of the things that I require for you to pass your test and get your certification is uh, for you to know how a capacitor works. And essentially a capacitor is any type of a, a device really that is able to gradually store up a small amount of electrostatic charge until it builds up to a critical point and then boom it discharges just like a lightning bolt and um, so any capacitor basically is let's say a a very basic uh, capacitor is two conductors like two pieces of metal uh, two layers of water whatever anything that conducts electricity two conductors separated by a thin non-conductor like plastic or uh, or rock and for those of you who are very technical I realized that I could probably substitute non-conductor with dielectric but I'm not going to get that technical here okay what I'm essentially telling you is if you take two pieces of aluminum foil and you put the pieces on opposite sides of a flat piece of plastic or glass or something like that you have created a capacitor you just want to make sure that those two pieces of foil are not touching each other they are just layered there 
they're sort of sandwiched, I guess. Um, and so uh, the very simplest capacitor that you can probably create in your kitchen, which is what I did for this video, is I took a plastic drinking cup, like one of these Solo-type cups, and I filled it with water. Okay, so now we, we are almost there, right? Because we have a plastic cup. Plastic is a non-conductor, does not conduct electricity. And the cup is full of water. And the water is a conductor. So the last thing you need is one more conductor on the outside of the cup. And so I just took some aluminum foil and I put it on the outside of the cup. There you go. Boom, we have our capacitor. And so uh, what that means is that now this cup can store up enough charge to give you a good jolt. And I demonstrate this in the video because um, now look, you can charge up a capacitor many, many different ways. But for the sake of convenience, you know, I'm an electrostatics guy. So I, I happen to have a Van de Graaff generator laying around, you know. So um, a Van de Graaff it's one of those machines that has the big metallic dome on top it's the sort of thing like in high school demos you might put your hands on it and your hair stands up and and that's really just the product of a rubber belt you know just rolling around a couple of spools and building up a charge so anyway in the video what you see is I take the uh the Van de Graaff and I slide it over next to the capacitor that I've created in my kitchen with aluminum foil and a plastic cup full of water and I just let it charge for a few seconds and then I turn the Van de Graaff off now the cup is just sitting there it's got a charge in it so now I connect the two layers meaning I connect the foil to the water and to do that I just have some aluminum um, I just took some aluminum foil and just twisted it up into kind of like a, a a little post that I could shove down into the water and then one that I could tape to the side just so you have access to those layers. So anyway, when you connect those two layers, then as you see in the video, bang, you get a nice little blue spark. It's like a little lightning bolt. And so I have said for many years that I believe that this, this concept of capacitance might explain uh, how the, many of these places that are natural paranormal hotspots are powered. You know, that's always been my uh, ultimate interest. Uh, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say ultimate, but one of my ultimate interests when it comes to studying the paranormal is figuring out like, okay, when this stuff happens, where does the power come from for this? You know, people talk about all these extraordinary phenomena that just seem to spontaneously appear in in human experience. And I wonder, well, there there must be a physical component to how this is literally uh, electrified here. You know, what where is this coming from? And and of course, that is enhanced when you go out to these paranormal hotspots and you get these big bursts of electromagnetic fluctuations and anomalies out of nowhere and and there's a practical side to this because you think hey if, if we can figure out how this power is sort of uh, blasting or seeping or however it's entering into our realm uh, then maybe we can tap into it and we can 
we can turn that into uh, some something useful, you know, something pragmatic, which is what I believe that advanced uh, alien life forms probably figured out long ago. Uh, that's how they're able to power these machines that travel all around the cosmos without uh, a heavy load of batteries. Somehow they've learned how to extract that directly from the environment. But nonetheless, so let's take Brown Mountain, okay? So I've always thought maybe Brown Mountain functions like some kind of a big capacitor. So what that means is that there might be some um, condition, some layout of the mountain there that allows it to store up charges gradually over time uh, to a critical point and then bang discharge and then you get the lights or some other strange thing but the lights of course would be the most obvious example of this happening so at brown mountain uh you know i you you can look at it and you can sort of try to justify how it could be be some kind of a capacitor i mean because you have layers of conductors um you have magnetite and iron and various things like that that are layered with non-conducting quartz and granite. And even though quartz has a very interesting relationship with electricity, like piezoelectricity, that's a different story. But you have these these things that are layered together that could essentially be almost thought of as as layers of a capacitor. And then you have these tunnels in the mountain through which water flows which would build up a charge and the lights are often seen more in the fall which would make sense because in the fall well the leaves are off the trees and those leaves uh, they're full of tannic acid which that then is applied to the water table so you have a more acidic water which is running through the mountain, which is also going to facilitate the buildup of electrical charges. And so anyway, again, the ultimate idea here is that maybe Brown Mountain is some kind of a, of a big capacitor. The problem, however, that many people have had with that theory is they say, well, okay, let's say it is a big capacitor and you're just building up a charge. Well then, okay, shouldn't it just discharge? Boom, you get a flash of lightning, and then it's over, because that's how capacitors usually work. And sometimes that does happen on Brown Mountain. I have seen in that area, especially the Linville Gorge, just a flash of light all of a sudden. But the reason I shot this video is to demonstrate that actually a capacitor does not have to discharge that way that there are circumstances under which a capacitor can gradually dissipate its energy over a period of seconds or minutes. So the first thing that you'll see in the video is what happens if you take a capacitor and you have the two prongs sticking up that are the prongs connected to the two conductors. And... um, And instead of just connecting them and getting a big bang, 
you can take something like a metal ball and dangle it between those two electrodes and that metal ball will swing back and forth back and forth back and forth back and forth like a little motor or something and it will gradually discharge that capacitor so you're getting that that energy transformed into mechanical work um, and that's very interesting because again this is not like a battery okay like a, a battery is producing a constant flow of electricity, a constant constant flow of electrons. Capacitor is supposed to just ordinarily get a charge, release it, get a charge, release it. But again, what I'm showing you in this video is it doesn't have to work that way. And I've used the video of the ball uh, dangling back and forth, slowly discharging a capacitor for uh, for years to illustrate how that maybe. Uh, some capacitance that might exist within a place like Brown Mountain um, could be uh, again stretched out into a a longer discharge experience so you're sitting there and you're watching lights sort of oozing out of the mountain if you will and uh, morphing and shape-shifting and bouncing and turning different colors and all this because you're watching this process of this uh, electricity being discharged. But that brings us to another example of how that a capacitor can be more slowly discharged over a period of time, and that is the ultra capacitor car kit that I bought. And uh, I have never had the patience to sit down and put kits together. Fortunately, my wife, Lauren, loves that sort of thing. So I said, Lauren, please put this kit together. And she was just delighted. She was like a kid on Christmas morning. So she put the kit together. And it's very simple. It's just a little, little lightweight piece of... Uh, it's like a rectangle of some kind of plastic... Uh, it's almost like cardboard, you know, made, but made of plastic. I don't know what the hell you would call that. It's got some wheels on it. It's got a little motor attached to the wheels and it has a little capacitor and and the capacitor is probably like the size of the last section of the tip of my uh pinky finger you know it's like i don't know like an maybe a one and a half or possibly two inches it's a small little thing and it's got two wires sticking out of it and that little capacitor is actually no different than the plastic drinking cup full of water with the aluminum foil on the outside. It's the same concept. It's just a little thing that has two conductors separated by a non-conductor. And you have these two, two wires sticking out of it. And that capacitor is hooked to this motor. So what you do is, uh, well, you got to give a capacitor a charge. It's got to get its energy from somewhere. And so I told you that in my uh, illustration with the plastic cup, I used an electrostatic generator. Well, you don't need something that powerful for a little thing like this. So what you do is you just take a little AA battery, and uh, they give you in the kit a couple of wires that you can connect to your AA battery. And you just take that AA battery, and you just hold it for, uh, I don't know, maybe 5, 10 seconds to that capacitor on that little toy car and then all of a sudden boom that thing takes off 
and it rolls across the floor. And again, this is just another illustration of the fact that this does not have to be an instantaneous event. Boom, it's over. No, depending on how you discharge it, you can, you know, it can take time. And in the case of the toy car, you know, it probably has enough energy to last, I don't know, five to ten seconds, something like that, as the car rolls across the floor. Now, I will point out for those of you who are, who are really interested in what I'm talking about here, which I, I know this podcast is probably a little too technical for some folks, but, you know, that's okay. Uh, yesterday I was talking about using stones to keep demons away, so, you know, we can have a little variety in the show. Um... So, basically, uh, when it comes to this idea of using a battery to slowly dis uh, or, or to to charge up a capacitor that slowly discharges, um, I'm really interested in the concept of how this all might apply to the way that these paranormal phenomena occur as a relatively slow discharge right as 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 something that happens quite gradually as opposed to something that happens very quickly so instead of it just being a big bang like the lightning bolt when you hold the the, the battery up and you give it a charge it allows that capacitor to build up enough energy so that it can then sort of gradually release it and give you some kind of a paranormal event that is going to begin very suddenly and and perhaps very unpredictably but then it's also going to end very suddenly and very unpredictably I mean if you had a whole room of capacitors sitting around and you knew exactly when you were going to uh, power one up and how you know you knew all the variables how you were going to power it up when you were going to power it up and exactly how long it was going to take for that thing to discharge then you could probably easily predict exactly when each one of these events is going to happen and how long it's going to take etc but Mother Nature doesn't work according to that schedule, okay? When it comes to Mother Nature, what we are talking about here is the idea that there are so many variables, whether it's wind, rain, cosmic energy, various radiations, that all these things are going to play a role in how quickly a capacitor gets charged so if you have these paranormal hot spots i mean for for god's sake just the geologic activity alone i mean lava flowing through the earth and the way the plates are moving around i mean nobody knows all the variables there are variables that we still can't even imagine i'm sure so so basically if there are places on this planet and and there are that act as naturally formed capacitors it would make sense that some of these places would charge up under various circumstances and then discharge 
either suddenly or gradually. And when it comes to the, the little capacitor on the, the model car, to me, that looks like just a regular capacitor. So I was a bit like thrown and intrigued when they started calling it an ultra capacitor because that is language that has been used recently in some of the UFO reports uh, like for example you know this letter that Senator Harry Reid wrote to the office of the Secretary of Defense he was talking about um, how uh, what they have found has implications for uh, everything you can imagine you know uh, weapons communications etc and then there's a list on you know at the end of this that has all these topics that are officially a part of the ATIP project I'm talking about the advanced aerospace threat identification program and one of those uh, topics is ultra capacitors um, I wish I had the letter right in front of me. As a matter of fact, I uh, I think I can put my hands on it pretty quickly. No, that's not it. I have too many papers around. Oh, here we go. So, yeah. All right. So, on this list of things that they have been officially studying, uh, looks like, okay, number 36 ultra capacitors as energy and power storage devices and this and i'm just you know in the past i've been hesitant to list the names of some of these folks who uh were involved but i'll just go ahead and tell you uh, this particular subject was being presented uh, to the uh, agency there by dr j golightly from lockheed martin so they're talking about ultra capacitors as energy and power storage devices and this is coming from a guy who is with Lockheed Martin hmm how fitting right um, that they're obviously looking into how these spaceships if you want to call them that are able to fly and ultra capacitors is you know one one of the keys to that i i suppose um so i don't i don't know that you can really call my little toy car an ultra capacitor car um unless there's some kind of little technology in there that i don't know about but i don't see anything ultra about it i just call it a capacitor car but ultra capacitor i guess would be a, a capacitor that is so damn efficient that when you charge the thing up I mean um, it is able to not only hold a huge amount but then discharge it at a very long slow pace with an enormous amount of power without having to be burdened with the, the, the heavy loads that come with a battery so I hope that makes some sense, and I, and again I apologize if I've if I've lost some of you on the technical part of this, 
but that's why I shot a video. And so I really do believe that this I you know like grasping this part of how capacitors can discharge is a real key to understanding a number of things including uh, some of the technology that extraterrestrials or even some interdimensionals might be using to move in and out of our realms and our dimensions but furthermore how and why that some of these places strewn around the world uh, have have become famous as paranormal hotspots and why that studying the natural aspects of these natural places uh, can give us a big big clue as to how we can take this kind of energy source and adapt it in a new way so if you're out there and you're doing paranormal research or, or you're you know you're investigating and somebody's making fun of you and saying oh come on why are you doing that that's all a bunch of crap well feel free to inform them that when people experience what they describe as something paranormal and that person can interpret it however he or she wants oh i saw an angel i saw a demon i saw a ghost i saw an alien i saw a ufo i've, I've had a time sl-. people can interpret their own experience however they want but when you have a spot on earth where people again and again over time routinely collectively start you know experiencing things there's a cluster of independent experiences that all you know wrap around a certain place and then you go to that place and you start measuring all of these energy anomalies so that you know this is not just some form of psychological hysteria like the the you know the situation with the Salem witch trials. I mean, you go to these places and you actually are able to document and measure that there are anomalies. Well, you can really tap into whatever the energy is that's supplying the the forces to create those experiences and then that will take us one step closer to understanding how to just extract uh i don't want to call it clean energy but you know it's it's certainly cleaner than what we're doing right now uh extract more effortless effortless effortlessly um energy directly from from the ether some call it the vacuum some call it the zero point i mean that's a whole other thing we can get into and and i'm sure in some podcast i will do that by the way, it's a hell of a thing. When you try to knock out a podcast every day, like I do, without commercials, just talking off the top of your head, stream of consciousness, there's plenty of time to get into everything. <laughs> but um, anyway, this this concept is a simple one, especially when you watch the video and this may have enormous applications and implications when it comes to understanding um, paranormal phenomena in general whether we're talking about haunted spots 
or places where UFOs are seen, maybe they're attracted there, you know, that sort of thing. So here's how you how you watch this little seven minute video. And by the way, it's not monetized or anything. So, you know, I'm not driving you to this video to make money. Um, if you go to, uh, uh, the simplest thing is just to go to joshuapwarren.com. When you go there, you'll see on my homepage, there is a section devoted to my Twitter account, which is at Joshua P. Warren. You should already be a Twitter follower anyway, because I, I tweet a lot of interesting stuff. So if you go to my Twitter account, you'll find a link to this video that I just posted on YouTube. And the video is called capacitors and paranormal hotspots like brown mountain lights so it's called capacitors and paranormal hotspots like brown mountain lights so uh you can if you're just a, a youtube buddy or whatever you, you you'll be able to find it and i think you'll you'll find this intriguing and again this will give you um a little more insight perhaps into why that this time of year when the brown mountain lights are often so prominent uh, a lot of people don't want to go up there for obvious reasons it's rugged terrain you don't want to go up there when it's cold and rainy and nasty and foggy i mean it's dangerous up there even at the overlook but if you're a brown mountain lights researcher good time to go get out there when it's cold and rainy and foggy and uh, back in 2000, well, 18 years ago, that's what I was doing along with uh, members of the lemur team like um, Mr. Brian Irish. We were out there under umbrellas with rain pouring down, cold, teeth chattering, but he was shooting some of the best footage ever. Some of the best footage ever because you know on a cold November night up there, when the wind is terrible and the rain's pouring down, there's nobody on that mountain on those mudslides, <laughs> on the on four wheelers or motorcycles. There's nobody camping out there. There, I mean, there's nobody's doing anything out there. And uh, yet we got some of the best footage on those nights so if you're a brown mountain person get your butt out there and uh and do it now and send me the results before the end of the month i'm still here at my uh part-time residence in las vegas but as i said in yesterday's podcast there is a lot of interesting activity going on this particular month in fact tomorrow is going to be November the 13th, which will be the anniversary of the largest mass murder killing spree in Asheville, North Carolina, the Will Harris murders that occurred in 1906. And tomorrow, from 5 to about 5.30 p.m. East Coast time, Pete Callender, my last name is spelled K-A-L-I-N-E-R. Pete Callender, who hosts the number one talk radio program in the region, the Pete Callender Show. 
on News Radio 570 WWNC is going to have some very special guests in the studio. Now I'm talking about tomorrow, Tuesday, November 13th. He is going to have Christian McLeod in the studio along with psychic Reverend Pamela Mortimer who I picked to be our featured psychic for this special anniversary experience tomorrow night. And uh, look, I know tomorrow night it's going to be cold. It's going to be rainy. Doesn't matter. If you are into the paranormal, but you're not into the paranormal enough to overcome some cold temperatures and some rain, you, know, you, you this is not your thing, okay? You're not cut out to do this. If I were in Asheville, I you could not stop me from being there. For this special tour we're going to do tomorrow night at 8 p.m. through downtown Asheville, with you know led by Christian McLeod with psychic Pamela Mortimer uh, on the anniversary of the Will Harris murders, you could not stop me from being there. So anyway, tomorrow Pete Callender, News Radio 570 WWNC, he is going to have Christian and Reverend Pamela Mortimer live in studio. I'm going to try to call in tomorrow from Las Vegas as well. So tune in if you're in the Asheville area to AM 570, or you can just go to WWNC.com and listen to the live stream. That's WWNC.com. Now, mind you, I hosted radio at WWNC for, you know, I don't know, a good 15 years. I was a fill-in host on the Political Drive Time show back in the day, and then, of course, I I hosted Speaking of Strange, my own creation, for, for many, many years there. Uh, the only reason I stopped doing Speaking of Strange was because I just didn't have the time to devote to a show of that magnitude on, on a regular basis, but we're all still really good friends and uh, I'm just delighted that tomorrow, on this uh, extraordinary anniversary, that we're going to be able to have Christian and Reverend Mortimer in the studio with Pete Callender live to talk about all this. And it's not too late to get tickets. We still have some tickets left uh, for tomorrow night at 8 p.m. if you go to hauntedashville.com hauntedashville.com you will find that you can purchase a ticket to this uh, a- a- amazing night an unforgettable night and uh, yeah it may be cold okay put on a coat it may be rainy okay bring an umbrella you know bring some coffee bring a bottle of cognac whatever it's going to take to to warm you up you know and then Go have this once-in-a-lifetime experience, November 13th, 8 p.m., downtown Asheville. Get your tickets at hauntedashville.com. So anyway, uh, I look forward to getting your feedback on the video that I posted. Uh, Again, go to joshuapwarren.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at joshuapwarren. And of course, if you go to joshuapwarren.com, You'll find all kinds of interesting things, like if you click the link to my curiosity shop, you'll find the 
link to become a student to become enrolled in my online paranormal investigation course and uh, we're actually working right now to put together a special group uh, for graduates of that course so that's something uh, fun for the folks who have taken the course that I'll be telling you more about soon Um, but while you're there click the link to this podcast it's uh, always short it's always free it's completely independent and uncensored. If you don't believe that, fuck you. Go to joshuapwarren.com and click the link to this podcast called Joshua P. Warren Daily. And uh, you can subscribe through various means, or like I say, just follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren, and I usually tweet when a new one is available. So that is it for today. I hope that you will uh, at least go watch this seven-minute video. You'll find it really interesting there on my Twitter account. And I thank you. I thank you for listening because I know that you're curious, and that means a lot to me. And so that means you're intelligent. So thank you. Thank you for being curious. And I'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>